This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. As the streets are calling in Adelaide, we call in with the Chief Executive of the South Australian Motorsport Board, who's preparing for a big Adelaide 500. Mark Warren joins us on Inside Supercars today. This year when we went on pre-sale for the event to go back to some of those original fans who held their grandstand seats to, to get them back, we were just blown away by the response we got to that. And uh, we got to you know, close to half the grandstand seats were sold just in that pre-sale of, of people coming back to the event. So um, we're very pleased with that. Mark Warren talking everything Adelaide and it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Winnock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by a man who's been extremely busy getting ready for an event that in nine days' time or thereabouts uh, will kick off again, an event that has been widely anticipated for some years. Welcome to Mark Warren, the Chief Executive of the Adelaide 500 and more. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Mark. Thanks, Tony. appreciate it. Glad to be back. It's fantastic to have the event back, and I'm sure that everyone would be well aware that you've had to put an event together that normally took at least a year to work on. Uh, obviously, I've known a lot of the people involved in it, the Jeff Matners, John Penn Gillies, etc., and the myriad of people who are so capable in South Australia have put on a great event for 11 years of Formula One and 21 years of the Adelaide 500. Mark, it's fantastic to have it back again. Tell us about some of the things you've had to uh, fix in a six-month period that you normally get a year for. Well, I've got to say, Tony, I almost feel like I should write a book. Uh, the the trials and tribulations, I'll say, of trying to do an event of this size in such a, a short time frame, uh, I, I don't think even for myself that I fully appreciated what had to go into it. I mean, we, uh, when we set out very early on, we decided to uh, resurface the track. It hadn't been done for many years. In fact, some sections of the track hadn't been resurfaced since the Grand Prix years. And uh, it was looking very tired, and we thought, well, if we're going to put on a spectacular uh, event, we need spectacular racing. And so it was time to, to do that resurfacing. Then it, uh, we also realised there was a whole bunch of infrastructure that uh, had been sold off by the former government who weren't planning to, to hold the event again. And so we had to go through and try and scope all those things. So uh, everything from concrete barriers and debris fences to uh, pedestrian overpasses. I mean, there was a lot of refabrication work that we had to get done. And then, of course, we're starting from scratch. Uh, when, you, when you're building a village for 80,000 people, you need a lot of event infrastructure and grandstands and toilets and you name it. And 
that's something that um, where you're in the middle of a, a season where uh, people have already planned you know, to have all that infrastructure elsewhere uh, six months out. So we we uh, had to move pretty quickly to, to get all that in place. And I've got to say, it's coming together and looking brilliant. As you well know, the South Australian Motorsport Board, um, they taught Formula One how to do Formula One because when your organisation was born in 85 or 84, um, it, it took Formula One to a level that had never been done before. I have enormous respect for the people involved and put on great racing and a fantastic event for all those years back in the 80s and 90s. Um, and then again, you, you redid the cast, the, the mould, and have done it again. Um, I imagine that there must be great anticipation for what uh, this version coming at the end of the season compared to all those years at the start of in Adelaide 500 days. It's uh, certainly going to be reminiscent of uh, the party town that we had uh, in the Formula One days. Uh, so we've now been in the final round for the Repco Supercars Championship. Uh, we want to bring back that party feel and, and really remind people that being at the end of the year can be absolutely sensational. I mean, for the supercar drivers and teams, uh, this is going to be one that um, they're going to be racing hard for. It always is being the final round. Um, we've got nothing to lose in many cases. Few grudge matches that I think that we'll see on the track as well as, as things play out, uh, and we've we've tagged it the the street fight to the finish, and that's what it will be. So we think the actual the uh, being the final round is is going to add a lot of uh, entertainment uh, to both the racing, but you know we're investing very heavily in in all the entertainment around the circuit to really give it that party atmosphere as well. Um, I mentioned before the the resurfaced uh, circuit. No, I think that. Um, uh, that is also going to add to uh, the fight to the finish. We've got, uh, you know, there's going to be more grip, more tyre degradation, and I think strategy is going to be pretty key uh, for the people that want to actually win, apart from the bump and grind that we usually get. So, yeah, look, we're really looking forward to being the final round and uh, seeing what, what plays out on track. Mark, it's going to be big because of the situation that it was in. 2020, it's lost seemingly forever. And by 2022, it's back. But we've seen the end of Holden, which had a huge manufacturing base in South Australia. And this is the last time a, a lion will roar on a racetrack and possibly fitting that it is in South Australia. Yeah, and we've certainly uh, recognised that. I mean, this will, this will be the first time that we see the Holden, or sorry, the last time we'll see the, the Holden uh, moniker um, in supercars uh, on the track, and we want to really pay tribute to that. Um, we've organised for a, a Holden tribute cruise uh, where we've got uh, a record number of Holden uh, cars that will be travelling from the, the old Holden factory up north at Elizabeth and travelling to the circuit on, on the Saturday morning. Uh, and we're, uh, it's going to be led by none other than Craig Lowndes, and uh, you might see a few other surprises uh, in amongst the, the crowd there too. And so I think that um, it's a fitting tribute um, to seeing the, the brand on track. I think that uh, the other things around with, around the track, we're, we're putting a, a massive display of, of Holden cars, as you could well imagine. Uh, we've got um, every Holden model uh, since 1948 represented on a, in a car display, and, and these are not just your everyday sort of uh, cars that you might see on the road. These are showroom finished cars as they rolled out of the factory. Um, so we've gone to a lot of effort to, to put on a, a massive Holden tribute. And, and I think that uh, be interesting to see who actually wins on the on the track as well on the day. There's going to be plenty of drivers who will want to um, be the, 
uh, the final race winner uh, for for Holden. So it'd be good to see how it plays out. I'm right in believing that um, the resurfacing was completed back in September. Is that right? Correct. You're well informed. So about mid-September. Figure of 70% of the total track resurfaced? Yeah, so the resurfacing uh, took place from the entry into Turn 9, or what's often known as the Britannia Roundabout section, all the way through Victoria Park and the Parkland section, um, through to Turn 4, 5, 6, so through the staircase, but pretty much uh, on exit of Turn 6. So 70% of the track. The only sections that weren't done were through um, uh, from Turn 7 through to uh, Turn 8 to Turn 9, uh, which was, was actually resurfaced uh, only a couple of years ago. So that, that section was actually in pretty good condition. Well, you were certainly very fortunate to get that resurfacing job done because, as you well know, the eastern part of Australia, particularly the southeastern part of Australia, has been heavily hit by rain. I imagine that this must have played a part in some of your preparation work. It did. So um, the weather gods were certainly smiling on us at the time in that um, we were doing the resurfacing. Um, we managed to get some um, very fine periods. There was, I think, only one weekend when we were trying to do some resurfacing where we got a little bit of rain, and so we had to you know, postpone the works for a couple of days in, in some sections. And it was so critically important to get the, the base down and to make sure it was good weather. Uh, in laying a, a race circuit, um, uh, for those of you familiar with it, I mean, you, you literally do it within plus or minus three millimetres across the entire surface, so you want to get it. As, as right as you can the first time and you certainly don't want to be redoing any sections. Um, I think the other thing about this uh, resurfacing is we uh, developed a very special race mix. It's it's going to be a much higher grip um, racing surface um, and so higher tyre degradation as well um, and it's a more of an open um, gritty type surface so it's going to be interesting to see what the racing is like on it um, but we've put a lot of effort into making sure that the surface uh, will both be great for racing now, but great for racing in 10 years' time too. Given that you're a man who's been around motor racing for some years, uh, Mark, two uh, records, that being supercars, they're qualifying and the lap record, are held by men who are at the fast men still to this day. That's Shane Van Gisbergen and Chaz Mostert. A qualifying record of a 19.2 and a lap record of a 20.3. Give us some idea what you think a, a lap record could be uh, for Chaz at the wheel or Shane this year with a faster track? Well, look, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I um, we, We've had that conversation and, and partly because, that, yes, there could be records set. Uh, the supercars are racing on the hard tyre uh, and that might have some influence on it in that uh, we would have loved to have seen them on, on the softs here. But uh, So the hard tyre... Um, We'll give them some longevity, but as I said, there's going to be some some tyre degradation here as well, and so they probably needed to be on the hards, and I still think strategy will come to play. But to answer your question, look, I, I think there's uh, – the feedback I've had from some drivers is that I reckon there's uh, at least half a second in it, um, if not uh, a little bit more. So uh, we will see as to um, – particularly come qualifying, um, who are the brave ones that um, tackle turn eight, because uh, that's what it's all about. You've got to – You've got to be brave and be confident in the grip you've got. Uh, if you're going to do a fast one, cut some of those curbs. Um, we've had Mark Scaife here looking at all all the track and uh, looking at the curbs, and we, we've looked at where we might reshape some some profiles of, of curbs um, so that um, you know that's just a little bit more challenging. So yes, it'll be interesting to see can they actually uh, uh, shave at least half a second, if not more. Uh, from the, the, the lap times. The variety of ticketing options that you have, 
general admission, grandstands are the obvious too, but you've got school days, students, special arrangements for kids. You're even offering pit lane walks along with the paddock passes. Yeah, that, that sounds like a leading question uh, for ticking. Thank you very much for that. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> so, yes, we've got a huge variety of uh, offerings for um, people, the way people might want to actually view um, the uh, the racing, but also to enjoy the uh, the event overall. And yes, you mentioned Schools Day. We've um, on Thursday traditionally we've always had a, a big Schools Day, and we weren't sure how it would go this year, being at the end of the year. But we had a fantastic response over 40 schools coming in, and um, they do a pit stop path and 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 look at all these different uh, stopping points where they uh, get engaged with the event in all just different areas, both on and off track. So that's going to be spectacular to see. We also have uh, something that's new uh, on track, which is the um, uh, we've got um, the Little Amon uh, feature, which also ties into schools. And we've, so we've got a bunch of pedal cars, in fact, 20 of them uh, on track, um, a bit of entertainment, where kids are going to do a Le Mans start where they'll run across the track, jump into these cars and uh, get a taste of what it's like to race down the, the main straight and, and that's going to be a bit of fun I think uh, more than anything else and so yeah Thursday and uh, over across the weekend it's, it's going to be fun to see them out there but then we've got apart from grandstands and uh, you know the uh, general admission type tickets we've got some fantastic general admission type areas we've got a, a new trackside area which uh, is a precinct and that's uh, for uh, event goers who want something a bit different um, so we've got uh, the Wine Capitals uh, wine bar in there, so featuring some fantastic South Australian wines, uh, some of South Australia's fantastic food outlets, you know, every, everything from uh, DJs to having art cars, so where people will get a chance to actually paint up some cars actually in, in this precinct. So we're trying to have a lot of fun you know, around the track as well and, and a lot of different uh, viewing spots, I suppose, as well. Traditionally, the Adelaide 500 has been caught in Mad March which has those off-track, off-beat type of entertainments right on your doorstep. Have you decided to replicate some of that in the trackside offerings? Uh, we've always invested uh, a lot in, in the entertainment in the event and, and bring the event back. I think that we, being the final round, we, we wanted to really bring back that party atmosphere. So short answer is yes. And uh, we'll have you know, roving entertainment, everything from samba dances to uh, you know, jugglers and things like that, just to create some atmosphere and a, a real buzz. But uh, a lot more different viewing areas uh, around the, the precincts. And uh, our, our naming rights partner, which is Velo, um, they've also invested quite heavily in, in creating some fantastic viewing areas uh, around Turn 11. Uh, and so they'll have car displays and, and some fantastic uh, displays of, of their product, of course. But uh, I think there's going to be a real buzz about this event uh, compared to, especially compared to perhaps more recent events. Um, it was tightened up a lot in, in uh, the last couple where uh, the precincts were all sort of brought into the one park and we've expanded our footprint and gone back to perhaps what the traditional very expanded footprint looks like, really to create all those different entertainment areas uh, around the track. I'm right in thinking that you know, there are an awful lot of people who were involved in what was the Adelaide 500 as it was, or Kutzpah 500, and even they, they, some of them going back to the days of the uh, Formula One race around the streets of Adelaide, those same people were able to get back involved again with the new venture? Absolutely. I, I think one of the greatest challenges we were always going to have was to bring a, a team together who uh, 
weren't just experienced in, in what they did individually, but had some experience in working in these sorts of events and um, been very fortunate. Uh, Brian Gleeson will be a name that uh, many people will know, and he uh, is an event manager that's well-renowned. He was involved even back in the, the Formula One Grand Prix days and continued through into the supercar days and works with supercars across a great number of events. And so getting him on board uh, with that experience was fantastic. Plus, we've got uh, many of the other original op operations team uh, involved. A um, few new faces, but um, I think that overall, uh, I've been uh, very um, blessed, I suppose, in terms of the, the team that we've been able to bring together. And uh, without that, I don't think we could have pulled this off. Um, so certainly between that and um, you know, getting the actual motorsport board in place as well, uh, uh, that's that's been one of the challenges and, and one that's been delivered. One thing over the... 32 years of racing around the Victoria Park precinct has been the community groups and their involvement or wanting to devolve themselves of the racing. How has the announcement of the return of the race been met amongst the minority that don't want you there and then the majority of South Australia who... Uh, could be ambivalent. Uh, look, I think holistically, South Australians have really embraced the event being back. I, I think people felt a real loss when uh, it was announced that it was uh, was going to be cancelled, and, and I think that even the former government recognised that perhaps it was a, a mistake to, to cancel the event. I, I don't think they realised how deep in South Australian psyche it, it, it was for uh, not just fans but people who. Um, you know, love, I suppose it's a state pride thing in terms of having this major event right in the heart of their town. Absolutely, there's going to be individuals uh, who perhaps uh, are not fans of motorsport, not fans of the event, uh, and we certainly appreciate that for them uh, it was probably a bit of a shock having the event coming back, but, you know, we work uh, work with them very closely to really minimise, you know, any sort of uh, negative impacts for them. Um, but to be fair, I think that uh, there's a general recognition that South, what South Australia does so well and what Adelaide does so well is put on major events, and there's major events for all different tastes, whether you'd be a follower of arts and, and all the major festivals we have around the Fringe and the Adelaide Festival. Well, now we've got motorsport back as well, and, and I think you need that complementary mix. That's what, what is the heart of Adelaide, um, being this eclectic mix of, of events that there's something for everyone. And looking at that timing now going to the end of the year how much of a different marketing effort is going forward because you're not looking at it just at 2022 you're looking at it for the next five ten years and setting yourself up for that momentum shift uh, and you'll see that from this year's marketing campaign effort uh, with the tagline the streets are calling uh, it was very much about making a statement that the event is back and it's it's here to stay for for a long time to come, and just featuring some of the, the iconic locations within South Australia as well, because having the event here uh, is all about um, becoming that party town again, back you know being the the, the finale round, back when it was uh, like in the Grand Prix days, people would come to South Australia not just for the event, but to come and come for the the wine, the food. Um, the, the whole party atmosphere, and, and I think that we're we're seeing that. We want to emphasise that in a lot of the the marketing itself, uh, and people have responded to that. Uh, I mean, right now we've we've had a fantastic response from from the corporate sector uh, in getting right behind the event. Uh, right now, our corporate hospitality sales, for example, are, are close to double what they were in in the previous event. 
Um, ticket sales fantastically strong. Um, you know, we're now, quite frankly, ringing around trying to find uh, some additional toilets and, and infrastructure to make sure that uh, we we can handle uh, the just the sheer volume of of people that are going to come back for this event. So, I think the event is back stronger and better than it ever has been, uh, and really sets a good tone uh, for future years. I facetiously say we won't be having races cut short on a Friday and Saturday night for the symphony orchestra playing on the other side of town too. It's going to be all about the motor racing this 1st to the 4th of December. Absolutely. I I, I'm, I was there when that uh, phone call was made um, during that uh, particular event. Perhaps you might be slightly referencing there. Uh, I'll say that... Um, I think this year, if I get a phone call from the Premier, it'll be because he'll be asking for me to dial up the noise. Uh, he can't hear it from where he is. He wants to hear the racing loud and proud. And uh, I think being uh, in a different time of year, it means that uh, uh, absolutely we will. we'll we'll make it known to all of South Australians that uh, we are here. And uh, there'll be a lot of proud South Australians as a result. Mark, if I could talk to you now about some logistics for many of us who travel from far and wide. One of the things that Adelaide was always uh, very, very welcoming about was wave your pass, wave your ticket, public transport took you to the event. You didn't need to have a car or drive around. Have all those types of logistics returned with the event coming back? Uh, absolutely, they have, and, and we announced that if you have a valid ticket to the Velo Adelaide 500, that you will have access to free public transport to get to the event. Uh, we'll also be running a free shuttle uh, around the, the CBD, so for anyone that's staying uh, around the hotels and so on around town, they can jump on that and uh, get to the event and with no trouble at all, and uh, I think that's a very important part. Obviously, the, we want people to come and have a good time, and, and that probably means that leaving the car keys at home uh, for, for many um, so I think to have that, I, I think, is, is important. In terms of some of the other you know, regular favourites, um, to touch on you know, what, what is, the, the, I suppose, the regular things coming back, um, we've got the, the Australian Defence Force coming back with their displays, which is going to be fantastic, and especially uh, we've had confirmation that uh, the FA-18F Super Hornets will be coming to do an aerial display, something that we weren't sure if it was going to be possible given the, the timeframes that we had to try and organise, but great support there from the Australian Government. Um, we've got the other you know, favourites of you know the Hot Wheels stunt team coming back with Matt Mingo, the Airtime FMX, and so there's a lot of activity and so on going on around the track as well. So um, I think that uh, uh, with some of those favourites coming back, uh, that so people have a good reason to jump on that free public transport and get along. And of course, we have been talking about a motor race, but one of the Edward de Bono principles that Adelaide showed motorsport and showed event management is that a concert and things that keep the crowd from leaving all at the same time as soon as the chequered flag waves is an important part of your management strategy. And this year, once again, you have re returned the after, the post-race events back to their former glory. Absolutely. I mean, the, the after-race concerts, uh, I've had people coming up to me saying, Mark, uh, we're just buying a, a four-day pass because we just want to come to see all the concerts um, you know, it would be great bonus seeing everything that's on track, but you know, the concert lineup is is like going to a festival. Uh, I mean, on Friday night, you know, we've got the the headlines of uh, the presets and Lam Cordial, Baker Boy, Teenage Jones, just and plus a few other local bands in there as well. Saturday is just Aussie rock royalty, uh, and you will probably never see this again with uh, having Jimmy Barnes, Ice House, and the, and the reformation of of Noiseworks. 
that's just, uh, as I said, you won't see that again. And, and then Sunday, just massive, headlined by the Killers, always popular American uh, rock band, um, backed up by you know, Amy Shark and, and something for Kate. So you put all those uh, artists together on a lineup in the festival and uh, people would be falling over themselves and, and we're going to say uh, to see any of those, like that Saturday and Sunday concert, you know, $89 uh, to come and see that lineup. Uh, so as I said, plenty of people coming along and, and just uh, just for the, the after-race concerts themselves. The One of the great marketing campaigns was the get in early, get your ticket at the previous year's price. Are these some of the things that you're going to be rolling out in the near future for 2023 and beyond? Um, I think that's an important part. The, uh, previously, we had a thing that was like a save your seat type campaign. And I think for the, the real fans, and, and we've seen that this year when we went on pre-sale for the event, uh, to go back to some of those original fans who held their grandstand seats to, to get them back, um, we uh, were just blown away by the response we got to that. And uh, we got to you know close to half the grandstand seats were sold just in that pre-sale of, of people coming back to the event. So um, we're very pleased with that. Certainly look to, to continue that. So immediately following this event, uh, we'll be going out to anyone that's uh, purchased a, a four-day grandstand seat to uh, be able to do the same sort of thing. And we're just formulating that now so that we can package that up and, and make it simple for them to, to get their seat back again. Um, so I think that uh, all those things, that loyalty, um, it's second to none in terms of other events where we've really made sure we recognise the loyalty of those motorsport fans and, and giving them back what they want uh, in, in both having dedicated gold zones and you know their own dedicated like high cars and lanyards, which might sound like simple things, but these are the things that people cherish. These are the mementos that people have got a collection of them going back for years and they want to continue that, that collection. And I think that's bringing those things back um, is an important part of recognising the loyalty of, of that motorsport fan that um, you know, supports the event. And whilst we've spoken about the Velo Adelaide 500, your brief is much wider than just the one race. And how are all the other pieces of the motorsport puzzle in South Australia coming together under the South Australian Motorsport Board? Well, the board has uh, has only met a a couple of times and, of course, finding its feet and and trying to understand uh, where it fits. Um, And I think that... uh, They've, they've come in you know, fairly recently to an event that's pretty much defined and, and so I think they'll they'll observe and, and watch everything that's going on. Um, there's been, um, certainly since uh, the last state election um, where there was a change of government, there's a massive commitment from the new Premier to motorsport in this state and bringing back the Adelaide 500 uh, is just part of that. Uh, but now bringing back uh, the South Australian Motorsport Board to really bring a focus to motorsport here uh, I think that's going to be a real boon for the, the sector and, and not just um, at this level, at major event level, but uh, also for grassroots motorsport in the state and really looking at what we can do. They, they have uh, offered um, incentives and, and uh, funding for a lot of uh, grassroots um, car clubs. Um, they even uh, changed uh, the rules here so that uh, for registration of historic cars, they brought that back along with a lot of other states, to, to be 25 years um, or older, could go on to historic registration, whereas previously it was 30. So I think they're doing a lot in recognising there's there's a real car culture in South Australia. There's a real love of motorsport in South Australia. We've got such a heritage in, in both those. 
So uh, let's embrace it and let's build on it and, and build a real industry around it. So the Motorsport Board uh, will be there to um, assist with that, to look at new opportunities and, and both in terms of events, um, but also in grassroots and, and see how we can build this 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 industry. Mark, one of the exciting things uh, that will be happening, in fact, you, you touch on that very aspect of South Australia in that it has such a rich history in open wheel racing with both Gary Cooper, Elfin, Malcolm Ramsey, Barana, wonderful state that has produced some amazing racing cars. And the S5000s will make their debut at uh, Adelaide. That should be fantastic because that is another chapter in Australian motorsport history in getting back to big open wheels that uh, we have such a, a long history in. And I must just tell you a very quick story about a man who I interviewed recently at Bathurst, a guy called John Russell. He, um, he lives in Australia and has lived here for many years. But uh, in 1991, he completed his first year as a Formula One engineer for Ricardo Patrese and Williams Grand Prix Engineering. And John Russell has been involved with Triple Eight and particularly with Gen 3. And he told me a story about how when he was on pit lane wall and he saw for the first time the touring cars racing around Adelaide in 91. Of course, that was in the days of the GTR Skylines and the, the Sierras and things like that. But he fell in love with Australian motorsport and had to come and work in it, which he has done for many years <clears throat> and been a great addition to Australian motorsport engineering. And when he spoke of that desire to be here, it made me so aware that people, you know, at South Australia and Adelaide should be so proud of what they built as a great event and that the 500 has even compounded it and built on it and made it even more wonderful and something to come to. And I know that Craig, myself, and thousands and tens of thousands more people look forward to coming back and enjoying the event you're putting on, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us Inside Supercars, Mark Warren. Thank you very much, Tony, and thank you, Craig. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.